0: We're all part of that same team. We're all living out that same mission and just to care and take care of our patients. Every single person is the patient experience. We all create that for our patients, every interaction we have.
1: Well hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk Solutions, Candid Conversations with Healthcare Leaders. I'm Amy Fritzer, Director of Business Development for HHS.
2: And I'm Becca Leaf, Director of Business Development for HHS. This week we discuss how the patient experience is a really big deal in healthcare these days and it's not just a frou-frou-y thing. It's actually really important and allows every aspect of a hospital's operations to contribute to the experience and perception to ultimately improve your patient satisfaction.
1: And our guest today is the very passionate Melissa Haynes, a Patient Experience Director at Genesis Prime Care, which is a large clinic system in East Texas. And she has over 20 years experience in working to improve the patient experience while collaborating with administrators and training team members.
2: Welcome, Melissa. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: Melissa, I know that you've worked, you know, as a director of of patient experience in both the inpatient acute care setting and a hospital, and now you've moved into the outpatient facility still doing that patient experience. So you've really gotten to see how patient experience, patient care impacts both of these spaces, um, both hospitals and clinics. So what I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear you tell us today is a little bit of background on on your expertise and, and what
0: your experience entails. Sure. Well, I started in healthcare back in 2003, I believe. I started as a student worker in registration, and that was when I was in college. And then I moved into the marketing community relations field right before I graduated college and stayed there through, I think, about 2013. And that's when I really went into patient experience. And so I've been in patient experience for about eight years, maybe a little over eight years now. And I, and I love it. And I learn more every day. And so it's just a it's
1: just a great field. So can you kind of define what um, what you mean when you when you refer to patient experience and kind of the components of patient experience? And sure. So when people ask me, well, what do you do? And so in the outside world, I break it down
0: and I say, well, basically it's customer service. But in reality, in healthcare, we know it's so much more. And so when we encounter our patients, their world has flipped upside down. They're in a vulnerable mm-hmm. state and um, they may be in pain. Uh, they have mm-hmm. some confusion or they're scared and uh, there's fear. There's a lot of uncertainty just because they don't know what to expect. And so Right. It's, it's so much more than just basic customer service skills. Um, and and it's really it, the experience that we create. Uh, but just if we think just customer service, we know that there are some people that are naturals at customer service. They wake up in the morning and they just have that spark, that energy. They love people. They talk to people at the grocery store, the gas station, and they just connect. And then some people, it takes a little bit more effort. So maybe two cups of coffee in the morning before they're friendly. And they have to work a little harder. And then there's people that just they don't get it. They're not people people. And and mm-hmm. those people it takes so much effort for them. But our patients uh, across the nation They expect and they need that same type of communication from everyone they encounter. And so that's where someone like me comes into play. Mm -hmm. You know, you made a good point there. Like you
2: say, like not everyone's a people person. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of stereotyping here. But typically, you know, someone who's got like more of the science brain or is just extremely brilliant, like doctors and surgeons, Mm -hmm. some of them not always have the social side. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but you know, like that's just like the stereotypical piece. So I I feel like in healthcare, more than anything, it's probably really helpful to have someone like you and a patient experience team come in and be able to help teach those people those soft skills that they may not
0: have. Absolutely. In fact, I had one um, surgeon tell me once uh, that his patients and their families don't judge his quality by what he does in the OR; they judge his quality as a surgeon by how he treats them at the bedside. And that came from a exactly. surgeon. I went, wow, yeah. that is so impactful. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, big sign. Kind of reflecting on that a couple of years ago, my mom was was pretty ill and she ended up going into the hospital. And long story short, there was like no communication at all. She ended up being basically stored in the ER for almost 24 hours before she was transferred to a room. Um, you know, she couldn't really get anybody to help her. She, Mm -hmm. and she, when she was in the room, she didn't get a lot of communication from any of the staff really in terms of what was going on, how long she was going to be there. Mm -hmm. It was so, it was like a very frustrating 36 hours. And she said, she still said care was great. Pain management was fine. But she goes, the experience was just awful. And Mm -hmm. kind of what you're saying is no matter what level of care you get, if you don't have that, that, experience or communication or you know, empathy and compassion from those that are that you're you know vulnerable to, it kind of you know, doesn't matter, you know.
0: In fact, when we talk about quality and quality measures and and healthcare and I sit through a quality meeting Every month, we have quality in all of our management calls. We're not speaking the same language that our patients are when mm-hmm. they're talking about the quality of the care they receive. Mm-hmm. So they judge the quality of the hospital or the provider and based on what they know. And that's how we make them feel or the experience that we create for them. Right. In, in fact, I, I spoke to a friend today who had unexpected surgery over the weekend. Mm. And everything she told me about her experience was about how people treated her. She didn't tell me about the outcome of her surgery. She told me about how nice and caring and kind and compassionate. And she said every single person was like that. And so she talked about how they communicated with her. And I was like, that is it. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's exactly why I do what I do.
2: Right, exactly. Because the average patient isn't trained to be able to even speak to what's happening to them medically to say, oh, he made a great incision or what have you. <laughs> like they're, they're there to t- talk about the human aspect of it.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I have a mother-in-law who has been in healthcare since way before I was born. And she's been a nurse for 40 something years. Um, And she's who we call when we need a translator, right? So Mm -hmm. when we have that medical information, Mm -hmm. we call and say, what did they mean by this? But that gets us back to what the patient experience is. And, And the definition that I've seen used the most is the definition by the Barrel Institute. And that's, Patient experience is the sum of all interactions shaped by an organization's Mm -hmm. culture that influence patient perceptions across the continuum of care. So basically, patient
1: experience directly impacts patient engagement and their outcomes. It's so, so important. Especially when you consider how many points of contact there are, right? Absolutely. Every time we interact with our patient, we are either
0: building our patient's trust in us or we're losing trust with our patient. And so it, we do talk about how it's the sum of all interactions. Uh, one of the ways I explain that uh, when I'm talking to our new hires is uh, if I was a baker, and I'm not, and I was to bake an apple pie, and I went to the store, and I got 6 apples, the perfect apples for this pie because it's someone's birthday and I want to make them a special pie. And I bring these six apples home and I, and then I see that the recipe actually calls for seven apples. And I look in my pantry and I have this rotten old apple um, over in the corner. And I really, oh, I should have thrown it away last week, but I never, I never took care of that. And I said, well, I've got to have an extra apple. And so I throw that apple into the mix. The entire pie could be ruined, And so Every single person is the patient experience. We all create that for our patients, every interaction we have.
2: So in your analogy there, the apples then, some examples of other people in the hospital besides the most obvious, which is doctors and nurses. I'm thinking housekeepers that come into the room, food and nutrition folks that might come up and take orders or deliver food. Yeah. Yeah. Text, like patient transport, like moving patients from
1: their bedroom to Mm -hmm. get an MRI or lab work done even facilities people, if they go in and like fix something on the bed or fix the toilet yeah. or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about it in terms of how many touch points the patient has in any given facility, that's mm-hmm. a lot. So how do mm-hmm. you do that? I mean, across the board, I mean, obviously you, you train team members and, and folks all the time, but in terms of all the other touch points that a patient may encounter, how do you how do you manage all that?
0: So everyone needs to learn how to communicate with our patients and let's not forget our volunteers at the front desk. Um and and then billing. I mean, how confusing is a medical bill? Yes. No kidding. I, I've been in healthcare my entire adult life and you send me a bill and I go, "Oh, I don't I don't know what this means exactly. or or what to do." And um, but also IT directly impacts patient experience because We utilize so much technology when we're caring for our patients. Anyone in radiology or surgery um, or the the biomed guys that that keep our equipment running so there's no delays when our patients Mm -hmm. need CTs, we all are part of that patient experience, but not only in um, the patient room or on the telephone, but think about our cafeterias. I, I always, yeah, I, I've eaten in cafeterias mm-hmm. and hospitals all my life. And there is a difference when you're eating as an employee on a Wednesday with your friends and your colleagues versus when your son's in surgery and you're trying to mm-hmm. push a banana, you know, just be like to mm-hmm. get some kind of nutrition and, and you can't eat because you're so consumed with worry, but, right. but that's interaction that we have have so our cafeteria staff interacting with with the the families in the cafeteria it's so it's so important in the hallways at the bedside on the telephone every in the, in the elevator every interaction we have is, mm-hmm. is is crucial
2: it is it really is mm-hmm. so then when it comes to training those folks and and coaching them I guess because I think coaching is probably more so what you're doing mm-hmm. how yeah. do you tailor that to those different audiences that you just talked about
0: so well, one of the things I love to to talk about, of course, in communication is is how our verbal and nonverbal communication is so important. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, sometimes I do have to tailor it to what their experiences are as employees. And so mm-hmm. when I talk to our IT team in the past, I've listed the IT terms that I have no idea what they are, mm-hmm. and so I google mm-hmm. it and then we talk about how important it is to explain, what we're doing in the world of IT so that the, the end user can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we talk to our, our patients about a patient portal, we've got to explain it to where they can understand. So training um, from my aspect, we've done, of course, orientation and um, everyone t- is all together uh, on the first day. And so they all kind of get the same thing. But uh, we talk, of course, about you know patient experience, what our key initiatives are in that facility or that organization and the expectations of every single person and how they all play in. However, it can't, it can't just end on the first day. So, my husband can hear something and he never forgets it and if i hear something and i don't write it down it leaves my brain the moment it came into it or at least in the next hour Mm -hmm. and and one of the things i do now is i teach orientation on monday i come in after lunch and i roll out our patient experience our service standards our, our values and then i tell them listen, I'm going to, we're going to talk about some things and you're going to forget this over the next few days. Orientation is overwhelming. There's uh-huh. so much yeah. knowledge you have to put in your mind on that first day. So I come back to them on Friday. So I see oh, I them love twice that. in the first week. And, and I, I always say, okay, well, do you remember this or this? And sometimes I get the deer in the headlights look <laughs> and I said, it's okay because I told you, you would forget. <laughs> and so on, on Friday, we go into our skills lab. So we really, we re- reflect, we tell again what the expectations are, and then we act out those expectations. It's awkward. And, and it's because I'm the patient, and I'm going to come to you and you in front of everybody, you have to do your role, but it works. And we know that. Yeah. And this is a quote I heard, and I, I use it in my own family, but perfect practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. So we don't just, Send everybody out and say, well, I hope you do a good job. We, we work over and over. And I can see that sometimes there's people that need a little extra help. And so mm-hmm. we'll just practice until we get it right. But then that has to be a continual focus. It can't, it can't end in orientation. And um, So we talk about our initiatives in huddles, in staff meetings, in management meetings. We talk about it daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And so it's constantly being talked about.
1: Yeah, so when you were talking about orientation, do you do that for any new hire, no matter what department they're in, or is it specific to those that have more interaction with the patient? It, no, so it's everybody. everybody. And In the hospital okay.
0: setting, it was always,
1: um, everybody, it was their
0: first day, they were all in there. We all have different roles, but we, we're living out the same mission. And that's the mission of the mm-hmm. hospital that we're working at. And sometimes... You know, our paychecks may even come from different places, and but but we are all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and our patients don't. They don't know where exactly. our paychecks are coming from, but they see us, and they see an employee of that hospital and um, that should care for me. And so uh, we are all in there together. In fact, at my current organization, our providers start an orientation with us on the first day, and they get everything uh, that all of our employees get as well. Wow. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. then you have a
2: unified message that you're delivering to the patient, too.
0: Yes. And not just from the patient experience standpoint, but the other things about who that organization is um, as an entity, you know, their beliefs, their their values, their goals and uh, their service standards. All, all of that ties into why we all come together on the first day of orientation.
2: And I think that's especially. I mean, you mentioned it talking about you know no matter where your paycheck comes from, but I think it's especially important for those outsourced services mm-hmm. to get that orientation at that facility because yeah, they might work for a third party company to to I don't know, do food service, for example, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they actually work for your hospital. Like as a patient that comes in, I can't tell whether you work for a third party or you work for that hospital. And and like you said, like. That unified front is just is so extra important for those outsourced people,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then also showing our appreciation. And this is something I've always sh- tried to do is during appreciation events is that we serve everyone, all of our employees, no matter who, mm-hmm. you know, who where you get your paycheck or right. uh, what vendor you are. It, we're all part of that same team or we're all living out that same mission and just to care and take care of our patients.
1: Mm-hmm. It's obviously, our number one goal is to care for the patient and, you know, for their healing. But how else can a positive patient experience actually impact the facility?
0: I've always worked in a hospital and, or now in a clinic setting. And so it's my comfort zone. I feel comfortable walking into the front doors of the hospital. It's not, it's not a scary place for me. But I know that's not the case for my patients coming in um, or even when we as healthcare workers, we may work at a facility for 26 years, and then all of a sudden we're a patient, um, Mm -hmm. it it becomes different. So I've always known um, that patient experience is important because of my role, uh, Mm -hmm. but I've I've learned because of my experience of how crucial it is. And so you shared about your mom. uh, Mm -hmm. Back in 2019, it was December, I was at um, my husband's uh, grandfather's 90th birthday party. And I get a text from my mom that she's taking my dad to the emergency room. And so then later on that evening, that's why they didn't come to the party. I, I find out that my dad is being admitted into the hospital and they ended up in ICU with pulmonary embolisms and, and a saddle pulmonary embolism. Now, remember, I'm not clinical, but we knew at that point, and from what we were being told, my dad may not leave that ICU—not with us, anyway. Um, and we—I've never been so afraid, so scared, and um, so I didn't know. And we were having to make these decisions, but we weren't receiving the communication that we needed. And mm-hmm. and and there we were with people that I'd been investing in for many years. And it was just such a scary time. And I realized at that point that everything I had done was not in vain. And, mm-hmm. and I was seeing the fruit of my labor. There was a nurse that um, cried with my dad one night because my dad was in ICU and a four person ICU. And he, if you looked at him, he felt fine. He looked fine. But but we were told if he stood up, one of those um, clots could break away and he, he could drop at that at that instant and, and he would be gone forever oh and, and it was i mean it was a scary time and, and it was overwhelming overwhelming for him for for my mom my sister and i and and it was that moment that i said what i do is so important mm-hmm. because i saw how much my dad needed that communication you live for when doctors make rounds mm-hmm. when, when you're at a life or death situation which we thought we were um mm-hmm. and and i even Thankfully, I've been in healthcare for a long time, so I know the experts. And I called some experts, and and they broke it down for me in a way that I could understand. Because I'd never heard of a saddle PE, I didn't know what that what that meant. Yeah. Um, and so it was just so important. And you don't you don't always get to see how one day in orientation and teaching people how to communicate really plays a role until you're sitting by your dad not knowing if he's going to make it um, exactly. and, and it was at that moment I was like this is important so yes it's important for our value-based purchasing it is important uh, for so many things um, too, right H- I mean- yeah and and for mm-hmm. the hospital and um, financially But it's Mm -hmm. important because we're caring for human beings. We're caring for someone's most beloved person. Mm -hmm. We're caring for someone's daddy or their mama or their son. And so I I just, it's, I'm very passionate about what we do. And it all comes down to, uh, to communication. And I'll tell you, I've been very data driven, HCAPS data Mm -hmm. over the past eight years. But I remind myself that behind every, survey answer every number every statistic i see is a human and it's someone's most beloved person and numbers can be numbing at times but Mm -hmm. when we see and it's
1: representative by the way
0: yes you Mm -hmm. know we know that numbers don't always tell the the accurate story but we have to let it renew our urgency and Mm -hmm. and one of the things with hcaps i look at the data and i one of my most favorite things is the voice of the patient where patients have the opportunity to compliment a, a caregiver by name. Mm-hmm. Now, that to me tells a story. And mm-hmm. when, when we can really see what our patients thought about their visit, and especially over the past year, when people are said, I've been, I was so afraid to come in. And and they'll just list people by name that made them feel comfortable, made them feel like they mattered and made them feel safe. and And mm-hmm. that's, That's really where I'm driven is by those comments. Um, But we also know that how we treat our patients is important, just like any other industry, you know, customer service, patient loyalty is crucial. And so every interaction that we have, we're building that trust or we're losing it. And we want I don't think there's a CEO out there that says, you know, what? if we lose, you know, 20 percent of our patients, that's great. No, we want to keep our patients. We want them to choose. To, to, that they want to receive their care in our facility or by our providers. And so that's another, I mean, that's another reason it's so important. Mm-hmm. So I, I, lo- I
2: mean, obviously the number, number one reason for patient experience is because the patient comes first. And I think most administrators that get into the profession, have a soft spot, mm-hmm. have a true you know, purpose in life to go out there and serve in healthcare because they want people to feel better and they want to make a difference within the healthcare space. But They also have to run a hospital and they they do have to look at that data like you said but i loved Mm -hmm. that you said there was that open field question and you like looking at those answers Mm -hmm. because like we said we don't know if every hospital does that but i think every hospital should because Mm -hmm. to amy's point those h caps could be a customer saying well i'm frustrated about this one thing so i'm going to score you really low Well, now you're not getting the background on that. And this reminds me of that story you were telling us earlier, Melissa, about the mop. And this is where an open field would come in (laughs) because you can learn from, okay, this is what that person actually means. This is what yeah. the miscommunication broke down. This is how we can now improve as a hospital and not have this happen again. So, would you tell that story again? I was just gonna say, tell us that story. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, before I was in patient experience, I was over a volunteer program, and we had volunteers that would round on our patients, and and you know, just they were ambassadors for us, and they would just go see how the patients were doing and. Mm-hmm. One day, a volunteer came back and said, well, this patient's complaining because, you know, we haven't we haven't mopped their floor. So, of course, I went to the manager and probably that unit or housekeeping, that was a, oof, over 10 years ago. So, I don't really remember who I went to. But what we did to fix it without fixing it correctly is we sent in someone with a mop right so we sent them in with a string mop you know in in healthcare today we use mops that look like swiffer sweepers and and we do it for infection yes and Mm -hmm. and it's for infection control practices but we sent we sent someone in with a with a string mop instead of telling her what we're doing when we're in her room and why we're using that mop and we just tried to show her that we would mop so a few days later her complaint was well they haven't mopped my room since since I complained that one day. And so it's so important that we break it down for our patients and that we really explain what we're doing when we're in their room and why we're doing it versus just skipping over that. And I, you know, I was that was way before my patient experience days. And so I, I if I had been where I'm at now, I would have known how to fix it. Well, let's go talk to this, this patient and show her right. and why we use that. And it's for her safety and for um, infection control. And then she was bedridden, so she couldn't see the wet floor. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that was a, that was a good learning opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And how does that tie into aid it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've, I've implemented that in a hospital setting and then now in the clinic setting. And, and it, of course, it was established by Studer Group, mm-hmm. but it is used across the nation by hospitals, healthcare providers as a framework for communication. Mm-hmm. And it is a proven mechanism or, or framework for our patients to receive
1: the, the communication that they need. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what it means, what it, what the acronym actually means?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there are five elements of AIDET, um, and it's A-I-D-E-T. The acknowledge, it's introduce, duration, explanation, and thanks. And so every single element is crucial. It's not all. They're not all utilized in every single interaction. Uh, but the acknowledge piece is just the greeting the patient, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's that first impression, and we know first impressions that that lays the, the groundwork our attitudes and our first impressions really impact the patient's experience so acknowledge and the introduce is is where we tell our patients who we are what what we're doing for their care today mm-hmm. and i used to say and why we're in their room right With mm-hmm. who we are what we do here and why why we're in their room mm-hmm. and and there's a there's so much fear when you're in the hospital and when you don't know why someone's poking and prodding on you or stealing your trash or go, you know, whatever it is that they may be doing mm-hmm. or not mopping your floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, there's more, there's more fear in that. And so when we tell our patients who we are, what we do here, it helps eliminate those fears. And anytime we can take away fears for our patients, it helps them become more engaged in mm-hmm. in their in their care. And also through the introduce. And we we have the whole managing up scenario and that just builds our patients trust in in ourselves and in their uh, next care provider. So D is my favorite one. Um, (laughs) It is my favorite element. It is it is duration and there is nothing like waiting when you're waiting in the doctor's office or when you're waiting for that surgeon surgeon to come in or or you're Mm -hmm. waiting for your meal or whatever it may be. Um, but what I love about duration is it helps us manage our patients' expectations. Yes. So if there is a delay, then we talk to our patients about that. So if I, if I show up it's for a 2.15 appointment and I haven't been seen by 2.45, I, I'm pretty frustrated. But mm-hmm. if I show up for my 2.15 appointment and I'm told that my, and this has happened to me, before that my OB had to go to an emergency C-section, then I have a little, and he's running behind, I have a little bit more empathy because let's say I was mm-hmm. 37 weeks pregnant and in three weeks I may need need exactly. him to run over to me. I mean, that yeah. has happened to me twice. And once that, that um, office didn't use they didn't use it. So I just sat there and I waited. And I remember texting my husband, my time is important too. Like there is no one in this waiting room. And
2: you're mad. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I, was, I was so frustrated and I was very pregnant. And, I, and that just added to my frustration for waiting. And then finally, when they told me, I thought, why don't you just tell me? Right. Like, now I feel
2: like a jerk. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then one day
0: I was driving to my doctor's appointment. They used ate it for my second, my second child. And they called and said, Hey, we just want you to know Dr. So-and-so is uh, still at the hospital. He had an, a delivery. And so he's not even in the office yet. It's going to be, Oh, probably 30, 45 more minutes. And I was like, Oh, okay. Because I was running behind anyway. And I was like, Ooh, I can go get a bagel and cream cheese before I go. <laughs> And right. I wasn't, had I showed up and had not eaten. Oh, so, you would have
1: been hangry. Yes.
0: Cause it was early in the morning. But hangry pregnant lady. It's not good. Absolutely. So duration is my favorite. Cause we can manage our patients expectation and keep them from the fear and the anxiety of waiting and mm-hmm. also the frustration.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: Um, And I have to manage my kids' expectation anytime we go into a store. We are here for groceries only, and we are not getting a toy. So I always use that little element in in my personal life. E is for explain, and that is where everything we've been talking about all comes in. And so we explain what we're doing, why we're doing it, in a way the patient can understand. Because if the patient can't understand, we might as well not even tell them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're they're just it's just a different language for them. So we have to break it down in a way that they can understand versus using a string mop one time versus just explaining in a way that that lady could have understood. And right. the tea is just um, it's thanks. I love it because it shows we appreciate our patients and it just also just wraps up a conversation nicely. It wraps up our interaction um, nicely as well. So it is it is something we use, but we can talk about using it all the time, but if we're not rounding and observing, yes. then it's not happening. Yes. Probably not happening, right? So if we permit it, we're promoting it. And um, so that is something that we do. Uh, we round and and we watch and listen for aid it. I'll be out in clinics um, next week doing that as well. And so definitely accountability is crucial.
1: So how do you measure that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I, I would say... Lots of people do it differently. I have a a progress note that I use. Maybe it's progress note because we're in the hospital setting, but I know some people will have skills labs where everyone comes through and maybe they put a manager or a supervisor in the bed as the patient and they kind of do it in a skills lab setting. Or when I was in the hospital setting for our, our standards or our expectations that we had, I was rounding early in the morning at shift change and listening and And watching. And one of the things that, that I love to do is in my coaching is when, when I'm watching, I'll say, okay, well, what do you think you did well? And I'll listen and I'll listen to it in their, in their terms and, and let them say, sometimes I'll hear, oh, I don't, I don't really know, but then I'll push, I'll, I'll probe a little bit more. No, you did great things. Just what do you think? One thing is that you did well and they'll, they'll say what they did well. And then I'll say, okay, well, what do you think you could approve on just based on that interaction you just had? And, and they'll say something and, and typically, we're more critical of ourselves. They always have something they could point out, they could do better, and I'll and I'll agree, and or, or I'll kind of throw some ideas out there as well, and then we'll decide on one focus factor for them. And if I can get it, them to say it in their words, there's more buy-in, and so that's more of a coaching setting. Yeah. Now, in the clinic setting, one of my most favorite things to do is we teach a four-part greeting so when we answer the phone it's a four-part greeting that we have and i love an orientation when i'm teaching this i say okay well let's try it out and we will call one of our clinics we'll just pick a clinic if someone's going to a certain clinic and they want to call that clinic we will call that clinic and see if they're using all four parts, and they oh, get to hear it good. in action, and it, it resonates.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, typically they do.
0: They do a great job, um, and it'll resonate with the new hires a little yeah. bit more. But mm-hmm. I also do a lot of mystery phone calls as well. I love mystery oh. phone calls. Do you, mm-hmm. you? Do you put on different personas or accents? I do. I, I do. Say, I, I, do. I'm, I typically <sighs> am new to the area and I need to know something for my grandma or my mom or or my parents are actually patients of ours. And they'll they'll always call me and say, well, this happened <laughs> or this didn't happen. Or, oh, I'm so impressed because my mom, over the last two years, two and a half years, I've experienced. Explain to her since she is my mystery patient a lot what our expectations are, so she'll call me and let me know if they're met. And she gets so <laughs> excited when they are. And I'm like, yes, that's what I do. It's and it's a it's fun. She's because a little spy. I know. Like, yeah, I she loves but doing that. But if she's not treated in a, in a way our expectation, uh, you know, our expectations are, then our other patients aren't receiving that yeah, same true. expectation that we have. Yeah. And. And so I I love to use mystery patients that I know because I know I'll get the truth. And I also refer a lot of my friends to our providers and I'll say, Oh, yeah, but I would love your feedback and I'll get it. And if there is an opportunity for improvement, that's what it is, is an opportunity. It's never, Oh, why can't we fix this? It's right. Okay. Well let's get this done for the next patient. And And I love that.
2: Right. Because communication is so subjective too. Like, Yes. you're constantly going to be having to a, a, adapt, and that constant feedback from the patients that go in there is so helpful because the way that your friend perceives something might be totally different from the way your mom perceives something. and getting yeah. that feedback is very helpful.
0: absolutely. And but that's why we have our behavior standards that we that we must, do for every patient every time. And also that's why we utilize that framework for communication aid. It because those are proven best practices mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. every patient expects. And yeah. it really helps us meet those needs and eliminate that fear. And it's directly tied to patient engagement and patient outcomes.
1: Mm-hmm. So when you guys are doing that, are there like certain keywords or phrases that you're, that you tend to kind of you know, coach them into using more um, obviously specific in healthcare or do you guys just kind of wing it as long as they follow aid it?
0: Well, and I may be different than a lot of people. I'm not a big fan of scripting because Mm -hmm. I feel like we're human beings caring for human beings. We're not robots. They're not robots. There Mm -hmm. has to be some, some personality into it, but I am a key when we have need to have keywords, there are keywords that we use. And so there, of course, Industry wide, we've been given keywords to use during different interactions. But a few months ago, probably, I was called in. We were changing some practices in one of our offices. And so we knew that we were going to have some questions. And they call they called me and said, well, so we're gonna need some keywords from you. We need to, our frontline staff, they need to know what to say. And I, and I was sitting in my office and I thought, well, I don't know what they should say. Mm-hmm. And the reason I didn't know is because I didn't know what the patients were going to ask. I didn't know what their frustrations were going to be. And mm-hmm. so I said, well, is it OK if I go spend a day or half a day in that, in that clinic and find out, answer the phone, see what's being asked, listen to the patients? And so before I could create my... What I called my talking points about this situation, mm-hmm. I just went and spent time. And and I sat there with the frontline staff and I observed and I listened and the, they were able to tell me what questions may be asked, what questions had been asked. And so I said, OK, I think we need to answer this and we need this. And then I had to go get some of the answers because I didn't have all the answers. And so right. I, I met with our senior leaders, got the answers I needed, and, and I was able to give our staff the messages that they needed to give, but then they have to be able to take those messages and personalize them. Right. So if they're reading from a script, you know, that's not as impactful as having a conversation. And we know, and my HR director says this all the time, it's a quote she heard, but the conversation is the relationship. And so mm-hmm. that just is so important how communication is. And I know some facilities use scripts and that is okay, but I would much rather train my team to be able to use keywords, but in a manner that is impactful and resonates with the patient. Mm-hmm. Natural, natural jargon. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we know not everybody is natural. Mm-hmm. So, But the expectation is that those people who it doesn't come naturally, well, we can't just wave that off and say, Oh, well, that's just so-and-so, you know, she, she's great at this skill, but you know, her face just always looks grumpy. <laughs> well, we get a lot of complaints <laughs> on her grumpy face because the perception is that she's grumpy. So she needs mm-hmm. to, or her voice is, is that she, people perceive her as rude. So we mm-hmm. have to work with her to change those skills. And, and if we don't, if we don't solve it, um, at that point and have those conversations, then we're just permitting that. and we're not holding people accountable. and we're not going to see the results and the outcomes that we need to see in our patient experience, be it scores or just um, complaints or whatever it is feedback we're getting from our patients. So that was kind of one of
2: my own personal questions then. So if you have someone that's like that that mm-hmm. looks grumpy, or maybe you have you're having to coach like a doctor because you're told like, they're kind of, they're not, their bedside manner is not great. How, like, how, what do you say to
0: them? I will say where I'm at now, our providers get amazing feedback from their patients and, and they're meeting their goals. I'm like, woo, high five, you know, mm-hmm. virtual high fives to all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I have, let's say, an employee that gets complaints and then their manager reaches out to me and they've already coached them mm-hmm. uh, on, you know, this is the complaint we received and we're going to send you to Melissa for maybe some more coaching. So I start my session with, I like to do it one-on-one, not in their environment, right? Cause then everybody's watching. Yeah. So in my environment, mm-hmm. then I like to say, well, why, why are you here? Why, why are we meeting? Mm and I have to get it in their words. And then I, I, I don't know how I do this, and, but it's just something I love to do. I help turn that into a situation from they just think they're being picked on or it's punitive into, hey, from the eyes of the patients, here's what they see. Here's their perception. And then we work, we, we, we get a focus point point. And we have uh, a couple of things. Here's some pointers. Here's what will help you. And mm-hmm. then they go forward. And if they really do want to change, then they, they, they do. And in fact, if, do we have time for me to share a story? Yeah. Nurse? Of course. So we had a nurse once who had been a nurse for a long time and we would get complaints on her that she, she didn't know what she was doing. She she didn't, uh, she just didn't know what she was doing. She wasn't good at what she was doing. She wasn't competent in the care she was providing and she was rude. And so, of course, I was like, oh, well, we can't have nurses like this, you know. So I brought, of course, her her manager, sent her to me, and I was ready, just gung-ho, ready to fight it out, right? Because you've got to be nice like, to patients and, mm-hmm. and they don't think you know what you're doing. And, and, and when I said, well, why are you here? And she explained it, I, I noticed something. She didn't have good eye contact. She couldn't look me in my eyes ever. And when someone can't look you in your eyes, you think they're either lying to you or they don't know what they're doing. Mm. Or they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. care. And so when I started talking to her about this, I learned that it was her raising that she was told it was rude to look someone in their eyes. And so we. Interesting. Yeah. And so when we started working through it, this this individual had been a nurse for longer than I had been in healthcare, So I knew she was competent and I knew she knew what she was doing. And once I learned it was a body language issue, Mm -hmm. it was so hard of a habit for her to break. And so just since I I couldn't say, well, you need to have good eye contact because (laughs) she was raised not to have good eye contact. So I had to undo. Did you guys have (laughs) stare-offs? No, no. (laughs) What we did is we broke it, we broke it down. And I said, When you walk into that room at bedside, at bedside shift report, Mm -hmm. I want you to look into their eyes and I want you to introduce yourself. Oh, I bet she felt so awkward. Yeah. No, it was painful. Yeah. It wasn't awkward. It was hard, but she had to take the effort and we had to break it down into baby steps. And so we met, I don't remember if it was weekly or every couple of weeks. But I noticed a change and she would even stop by, she was night shift. So she would stop by my office a few times on her way out the next morning and she would share stories I mean, She worked hard oh. to undo those habits. And, and instead of getting complaints, we started getting, I started seeing her name um, and compliments. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And it was rewarding for her because she wasn't having to deal with complaints. Right. And it was rewarding for the patient's. And we would discuss things like patient fear, and she was a night shift nurse, and there is nothing scarier than a hospital at nighttime when you're by yourself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And your so visitors are gone. There's so much fear. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's quiet, and people aren't checking on you every 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. And and so we were able to just talk through the fears her patients may have, mm-hmm. and she was able to share a story when, when she spent some extra time with the patient, and she realized how fearful that patient was that evening. And she was able to help eliminate some of that fear. That's cool. And and that – so when when I do have people like that, I try to see the best. Mm -hmm. And I try to help them through – and a lot of times it's just communication skills. And so I really try to just help them through that. And I – love it when there is an aha moment when the right. light bulbs go off and they see it from the patient's perception. Right. And, the, and and it's, it's just different. And I, I love that. I feel like it's, that's a, that's an HR
2: capability too, because that person is good at their job. It's just, you have to dig in and find out what is the root here? Like what's really actually happening. She's getting all these complaints. So that doesn't mean she's bad at what she does. There's just right. this one thing and you dug in and found that. So you didn't have to let her go, which is
0: awesome. Well, one time, one time I was at a conference and I heard this phrase, sometimes you need to weed your garden for the flowers to grow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So sometimes there are people who aren't willing to make changes. There there are the weeds and, and your your good employees aren't developing because of that other person. And so I do work closely with HR, but sometimes I tell HR, listen, I've done everything I can. They're mm-hmm. still choosing not to change their yeah. behavior. Yeah, And so, I mean... My HR director's calling me now. Um, but absolutely. So it's it is something that I do work closely with HR and, and and sometimes people do want to change and they and they get it. And then sometimes maybe there's an opportunity for them elsewhere because right, right. there it's it's not it's not the right fit. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, to sum it up here, would you you know, for folks that are listening to this, maybe it's somebody that is building out a patient experience program for the first time, or maybe they already have a robust one in the mix, but they want to be able to make some changes and upgrade a bit. What are your first three tips that you would give those folks? Very okay. you know, simple tasks
0: that they could take away. It's, it's three it's three um, quotes I've heard. So one of my um, old colleagues, he said on, on his little social media account recently, he said, you can't eat the recipe. And, and meaning from that, you have to be able to execute and follow through, right? So you have to have the vision mm. and, and you have to have the direction, the, the recipe steps, but you also have to be able to create the meal and you have to have the ability to execute and follow through and then hold everyone accountable. So you're going to check the temperature of the meat. Um, and then Love the that. second one that mm. I just heard this summer or actually the spring is don't be a squirrel in the road. Me, I heard this from a fellow chamber board member, and I had never heard that in my whole life. She said, well, we're just a a bunch of squirrels in the middle of the road. And it's because we were planning an event, but we were struggling with where we wanted to go, and we were flipping back and forth. So don't have a flavor, don't have a flavor of the week or a month. You know, don't just shoot it off and see what sticks Follow through. Mm-hmm. Pick one thing and, and execute that well uh, before you move on. And, and always refer back and see if it's going well. Mm-hmm. It's really so, good. my third thing is something I teach all of our new employees, and I always make them share this with me. Remember your why. So when the going gets tough and it's going to remember why you're, you're passionate about patient experience or just, why did you go into healthcare in the first place? Mm -hmm. Or why did you choose where you work? Um, And, and I always go over that with new employees because there's going to be hard days and the patient experience role, there'll be critics. There'll be people who don't believe the data or try to tell you the data is not right. Mm -hmm. um, Or people who think patient experience is fluff and it is not, it is outcome driven. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, always remember your why. In fact, we were interviewing for a position um, about two months ago and we asked this employee, you know, one of the questions is how do you handle a hard day? Or, and she said, um, I just remember my why. And then she explained that. And so one of my coworkers looked at me and I was like, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you that individual is hired now. She is an employee of ours. And, and so you just have to re- remember your why. So can't eat the recipe, don't be a squirrel on the road and remember your why. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great advice.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the answer of, you know, having a glass of wine wouldn't suffice for that answer, Melissa?
0: You know, so mine is, I, I typically am a stress eater, and <laughs> I will uh, go eat Mexican food. Or when I was when I was pregnant with my son several years ago, and I was having a hard day, my husband would just say, I'm going to go pick up fish. And at the time when I was pregnant, I loved fried catfish. And so he would just, if I was, and still sometimes today, I'm like, it's been a hard day. I'm going to go get pick some fish. Up fish. I love that. And so he... It will get me fish, but I'm trying not to eat too much fried, um, uh, right now. Um, but, but yeah, it's just that that's so important. Have, have, remember your why so important. Yeah. I
1: love that. I love that. Okay. So this is a, we close this out. Um, it's just our little fun question section. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So this is, would you rather, so would okay. you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or travel to the future to meet your descendants?
0: Um, So my parents say being grandparents is amazing, and I think I would just want to go see all my grandkids,
1: right, in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And would you rather lose all your money or all of your pictures?
0: (laughs) My kids are so cute. Um, So uh, probably my money. Money, yes. Lose my money.
1: Wow. Spoken like a true
0: mom. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're so cute, though. (laughs) Would you rather have invisibility or flight? oh um,
0: so invisibility because my eight-year-old would not think I was cool if I chose flight <laughs> over invisibility because he is a huge Harry Potter fan um but there's a lot of risk with invisibility I mean what if people are talking about me yeah. and, and then I hear it and then oh there went that relationship uh-huh. so um
1: probably invisibility to be cool with my kid oh okay well that's a good one and this is one of my favorites um I might answer this one too but would you rather live where it only snows or the temperature never falls below 100 degrees
0: 100 degrees because i live in texas Mm -hmm. and it snowed and i'll snowed in with those beautiful children of mine (laughs) for an entire week and i i thought no we got to get through this (laughs) and so i got to get back to work so definitely Um, 100 degrees with a
1: good air conditioning unit. Good air conditioning (laughs) unit. So when it snows, you weren't thinking they were so beautiful after a week, huh?
0: (laughs) Well, the the old, the eight-year-old, he went outside and played, but the one-year-old, he wanted to go outside, but he didn't want to get dressed to go outside. So, you know, there was a day that was, below freezing or I mean temperatures I've never seen in my life and he just wanted to go outside in his pajamas barefooted and I was like we cannot this is this is not happening and he would not get dressed so then we were just standing at the door screaming yeah that was a that was a trying week but we made it through and and my husband's in the electricity business so he wasn't here to help me oh no no and uh, it was a it was a, it was a week. Mm. It was a long week, but it, you know, we made it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as one that's been, I was born or raised up North and um, been down in Texas now for a long time. And I can honestly tell you that I would rather, I would rather be where it's hundred degrees any day of the week and twice on Sunday rather than be in the snow. Oh, I Yeah. That's a good, you're like a good cold. person
2: to ask that, Amy, because you have done
0: both.
1: I forgot. I've done both. Yeah. I'm happy with the warmth.
0: Can I just share one more thought? Of course. The most important message I think I could share is just show appreciation to to your staff, to your team. Because if we take care of the people that are serving the the patients, then they're going to take care of the patients. But we have to take care of our employees. Uh, we, we just, just, it's so important just to show our appreciation like verbally and 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 tell them why we appreciate what they do. It's it's just really, it's meaningful. And, and it is a hard industry. And our frontline staff, they need to hear thank you and the why for that thank you. Mm-hmm. You get empowered that way. Mm. Yes. Yeah, appreciation goes a long way. Well, we appreciate you, Melissa. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for letting me share a little bit of why I love um, patient experience and why it's so important. And it's not it's not fluffy. If anyone Mm-mm. hears this, they need to know it is not about filet mignon and VIP parking. It is communication <laughs> and outcome driven.
2: Yes, 100 percent. I think you convey that. Big
1: Thanks. Good. OK. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure people know where you stand at all on this issue. <laughs> 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 Maybe we'll do a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Yeah. Thanks so much, Melissa. Thanks,
0: Melissa. I think my favorite
2: part of that was how she gave so much personalized stories behind it. I love that she gave the actual examples of how she talks to people and coaches them.
1: Yeah. And you can tell that Melissa's got a lot of passion mm-hmm. and and compassion for what she does. And it seems like she's the perfect fit for someone that can explain patient experience for you know for anyone on any level and no yeah. jargon included. And then right. you can obviously tell, like you said, based on the stories about, you know, feedback she'd gotten from nurses she worked with or other team members she'd worked with that the fruit of her labor is, is successful and she's very successful at what she does.
2: Because I think she like I feel like if I went in and had a consult with her because I was getting feedback that I needed coaching. She, I wouldn't feel like I needed coaching after talking to her because she like would make you feel like you're the most awesome person in the world while also getting you to make changes.
1: You know what yeah. I mean? Unless she brings out her mom voice, and I might be a little worried. Yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> she was
2: talking about. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. Yeah, she was great.
2: Well, thanks y'all for for joining us for this candid conversation about the importance of patient experience and and perception.
1: Yeah, and thanks again to Melissa for joining us, and thank you all for listening. We hope you've learned something new today. Be sure to follow us and
2: tune in for our next episode with another healthcare leader, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more tips in healthcare, follow the HHS blog at www.hhs1.com. Until next time.